all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning. You're listening to Health Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we are talking all about tobacco, what it does to our health, and how we can break the habit. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or shoot us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The nation is celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s civil rights legacy as President-elect Donald Trump spars with one of the nation's leading civil rights leaders. Via Twitter, Trump balked at Congressman John Lewis's statement that Trump was not a legitimate president and therefore he would not attend the inauguration. Trump responded that Lewis is, quote, all talk. At a breakfast in Florida, Lewis spoke on the power of the vote at a time when observers credit Trump's election in part to many people choosing not to cast a ballot. The vote is precious. It is almost sacred. It is the most powerful, nonviolent instrument or tool that we have in a democratic society, and we must use it. President-elect Trump will spend part of this Martin Luther King Day holiday meeting with the son of the late civil rights leader. NPR Scott Horsley reports aides say Trump will discuss King's legacy with Martin Luther King III. At one point, Trump was planning to visit the new Smithsonian Museum of African American History in Washington. But that plan was scrapped. Aides say Trump will remain in New York for the meeting with King's son. The president-elect, whose support from African Americans is in the single digits, spent part of this King holiday weekend taunting another civil rights icon, John Lewis. After the Georgia congressman questioned the legitimacy of Trump's election, the president-elect tweeted that Lewis is all talk, no action. Lewis, who helped lead the Selma voting rights campaign, was among the organizers of the 1963 March on Washington, where King delivered his I Have a Dream speech. Scott Horsley, NPR News. Washington. We turn now to Iraq, where security forces are celebrating retaking some key areas of the northern city of Mosul from Islamic State militants. NPR's Allison Muse has the latest on the offensive that has been ongoing since October. Iraq's security forces moved into Mosul University over the weekend and raised the Iraqi flag there, even as they were still clearing it of militants. Speaking from the university on state television, military commander Talib Shirati called it a social and cultural icon. A researcher from Mosul posted a photo of the university's burned-out library to Twitter, saying the image would taunt her forever. She blamed ISIS for setting the building ablaze. This month, the momentum against ISIS in Mosul has increased considerably, and Iraqi forces are now making swift progress. 
Iraqi commanders and the U.S.-led coalition assisting them say they now have better coordination, more men, and have ramped up airstrikes. Alson News, NPR News, Beirut. The U.N. Atomic Watchdog confirms Iran has removed sensitive nuclear equipment from what used to be the Forto Uranium Enrichment Facility. Head of the International Atomic Energy Agency says the site has been stripped of excess centrifuges and infrastructure. This is NPR News. A new report finds eight billionaires control the same amount of wealth as 3.6 billion of the world's poorest people. In Geneva, Lisa Schlein reports the British charity Oxfam is presenting the report at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting of some of the world's most powerful political and financial leaders in Davos, Switzerland. About 80 billionaires worth $260 billion are attending this four-day bash of the rich and powerful. Microsoft founder Bill Gates, the world's second richest man, is attending the forum to promote his philanthropic agenda. The Oxfam report blames a worrying rise in racism and the widespread disillusion with mainstream politics for Trump's successful campaign. Lisa Schlein reporting. In Egypt, one of the country's highest courts rules against the Egyptian government's attempt to hand two small islands over to Saudi Arabia. Here's NPR's Jane Araf. Lawyers and journalists in the courtroom this morning chanted support for the ruling. The Supreme Administrative Court ruled that the two Red Sea islands, Tehran and Sanafir, are indeed Egyptian and not historically Saudi, as Egypt's government has argued. President Abdel Fattah Hassisi last year agreed to give the islands to Saudi Arabia, which provides Egypt with billions of dollars in aid. But a series of courts have ruled the government doesn't have the power to do that. And the issue has prompted protests, even though demonstrations are banned here. The government has indicated it could try to find a way around the court rulings by asking Parliament to approve the transfer. Jane Araf, NPR News, Cairo. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Staples, with printers, printer ink and toner cartridges for home and business, and in-store print shops for customized presentations, booklets, and manuals. In-store and online. Staples. Make more happen. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at UMC, here with my guest today, Dr. Thomas Payne. Dr. Payne is the Director at the ACT Center for Tobacco Treatment, Education, and Research. And today we're going to take all your calls about why we should stop using tobacco products, what is vaping, e-cigarettes and what it does to our health give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 or shoot us an email at fit at mpbonline.org good morning dr Payne. thanks for having me absolutely i'm so glad that you're here tell me what the act center is well, the ACT Center is uh, actually a statewide network of centers uh, where we provide tobacco treatment services to people who want some help in quitting. Uh, currently, we have uh, nine sites around the state. Um, 
all of these sites at the present time uh, provide services for free. That includes counseling services and medications for anybody who's looking uh, and wants some help with quitting. Um, you can find the sites and contact information on our website, which is www.acttoquit, so A-C-T, the number two, quit.org. And um, uh, we provide evidence-based, state-of-the-art uh, treatment, and I'm very proud to say our uh, our staff has helped thousands of people to quit, and we look forward every day to helping more. That's amazing, and I'm so happy to hear you, you say that there are more than just a center here in Jackson, oh, yes. that they're all throughout the state. So all the way up north, there's centers at the top part of the state. In, into the Delta, Tupelo, Gulfport. Fantastic, yeah, spread fantastic. The state. That's yep. so important that we're able to reach others that are not here in the metro area for us. Yep. So if you'd like more information about the Act Center, just shoot us an email, and I'll be happy to push out some more information to you for that and get you connected uh, with Dr. Payne or one of the other centers so that we can get you some help. And you mentioned it's it's free uh, free services, correct? As of right now, As it of is. right now, it's free services, okay, <laughs> which is good. Um, and you mentioned medications, and we're going to talk about the medications that we use um, for smoking cessation in just a little bit. But I want to talk about uh, that tobacco is more than just cigarettes because we, we see people say stop smoking stop smoking stop smoking but there are other forms of tobacco that are being used that are doing irreparable damage to us correct absolutely absolutely so so the way the fda defines this is that a tobacco product is anything that is made of or derived from tobacco so the obvious ones are smoked tobacco so we have you know cigarettes cigars the big ones the little ones etc pipe um uh, then we have smokeless tobaccos. We have, you know, the, the most common is the snuff or the snooze, the finely uh, sort of chopped variant. There's the long grain chew as well. And then we have uh, new products that are coming onto the market, and there's lots of them. Um, so there are, there are smokeless tobacco products, for, in, for instance, um, uh, that are being marketed as orbs, uh, tobacco sticks, which look like sort of a toothpick that you can mm. chew on. Um, there's melt-away tobacco strips, kind of like breath strips. They're not nicotine replacement now, but they are actually granulated, uh, finely uh, uh, dissolved kind of tobacco in a strip. And, and people can use those, and it's, it's, you know, it's a, a, a little bit milder form, but use enough of it and you get right, as much exposure right. as any place else. So, you know, what's the problem with these? Why, you know, if it doesn't have smoke, if we're not inhaling it into our lungs, what what's the big deal with the tobacco? Uh, it's a very good question. So tobacco, a lot of people feel like, you know, the, the whole, if you think of like the whole organic sort of approach right. that, you know, if you pull it out of the ground and don't do anything to it, it's okay. It's healthy, right, yeah. Right. But you pull a tobacco plant out of the ground and as it is, you're holding about you know, 10 or 12 carcinogens in your hand. So whether smoking, burning it certainly creates more carcinogens and other uh, constituents that are harmful to us. But, but any way you ingest tobacco, it has negative consequences and they're different. So for example, um, you, you know, there's a, there's a lot of writing going on about the fact that burned tobacco, smoked tobacco is far worse than anything else. But it depends on the specific disease you're talking right. about, right? So if you're talking about heart disease, that's probably true. There seems, you know, burning it produces carbon monoxide, which we know is very noxious to the heart and blood vessels. Um, but what people don't know, for instance, is that uh, smokeless tobacco 
produces far more cases of pancreatic cancer than smoked tobacco does. Very interesting. I actually did not know that. Yeah. So when you so so you have to look at the specific variant by the kind of disease you're talking about. And different types of tobaccos have different risks associated with that. Fantastic. Well, not fantastic for folks, but fantastic piece of information for that because pancreatic cancer is notoriously hard to treat. Oh, very deadly, um, yes. And so if we can, you know, find something to help prevent that, that's where we want to be with that. So now back to the, the smoking type of tobacco, the, right. the cigarettes, the cigars, pipes. Some of those are more inhaled than others, correct? Well, <clears throat> People like to think they are. <laughs> so in, in what we've seen in our experience and in the research literature as well is that, for example, you know, everybody inhales cigarettes. Well, almost everybody. Right. Uh, people who use cigars and pipe often say that they don't inhale. Um, and uh, that may be true early in one's career as a user. But what we have found is that as people become tolerant to the amount of nicotine and the other constituents that are in the smoke, is they actually do start to inhale. Um, I remember um, a, a really interesting experience with this is we used to go down to the Capitol to talk to our lawmakers about this. And we would come, you know, we would bring our little carbon monoxide analyzer, which you can mm -hmm. blow through. And now the only way you can get high enough CO levels is you have to inhale. So we'd have some lawmakers who would come up to us who were cigar users who would say, well, I don't inhale. So we explained this to them, then had them blow and show that they had quite elevated levels, which meant that they were inhaling and were not aware of mm -hmm. that. You don't have to take it down very deep for it to be absorbed. So it's so it is a, a real significant risk in, in, in that regard. Um, the burning tobacco does produce additional things that we need to be concerned about. Um, but the tobacco industry is well aware of how people use it. So, for example, the pH level of cigar tobacco and pipe tobacco is different than it is for cigarettes. Cigarettes are meant to be absorbed in the lung. So their pH is different to maximize absorption of nicotine in the lung. Uh, to, uh, cigars, pipes, and smokeless tobaccos are a little bit more balanced so that if you only take it into the mouth, you also get a good dose of nicotine. And we have to understand that the whole point of the tobacco industry is to create a, uh, a constituency out there that right. can't stop using this right. product. They, they and so, right. So they, so they maximize the way nicotine is absorbed. And so, you know, nicotine is one of those chemicals that we, you know, everybody throws it around, you know, got nicotine in this or a nicotine patch. What, what is nicotine and what does it do? Nicotine is a naturally occurring uh, substance that, it, that uh, we see in tobacco, a few other plants in small uh, amounts as well, but tobacco is the big one. Um, and it uh, has primarily stimulant properties. It does in, uh, in the short term increase um, cognition and enhances memory slightly and energy levels and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but the interesting thing about nicotine is that we become tolerant to those effects very, very quickly. So after really just a few weeks of use, people people start using tobacco for the for the for the bump it gives them right. for the for, for the feel good. But as your body becomes tolerant to it, if you don't use it, you start to feel the opposite. So fatigued, lethargic, and so now you start using it as a way just to feel normal again. And that's the cycle of addiction, basically, right. that down the road, you're basically smoking to feel okay. Uh, when you don't smoke, you feel bad, and that drives you to use the substance. 
that part of it is not so bad, but it's all the other stuff that's in tobacco that then is getting into your body in high amounts and is starting to be responsible for, for um, causing all of the, uh, uh, the health problems that are related. And by the way, I wanted to say the other big and up-and-coming smoke tobacco that um, if people aren't aware of it, is hookah smoking. Right. I was going to ask about yes. hookah smoking because I see those popping up as a, as a social event. You know, let's go and do this together. And it's it's got health consequences. It's to got it. very serious health consequences. So very quickly, I want to push our number out because we have um, open lines and we want to talk to you this morning. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or shoot us an email at fit at mpbonline.org and we'll be happy to answer any of your questions today. Now back to that hookah. Tell me about that and what it means and, and why we shouldn't do that. Sure. So a, a little bit of history. So hookah began in um, sort of the, the Mideast India uh, kind of region. Uh, and initially what was put in the pipe uh, was molasses. And so what, what, what it is is basically a bowl that goes through a liquid of some sort, most typically water, but sometimes wine or, or, or some, uh, some other uh, liquid. Uh, by, and, and then there's a hose with a, with a mouthpiece. And as the person draws through, the, the smoke uh, from whatever you're burning goes through the, wa- the liquid which cools it, okay, and then comes through the mouthpiece and whatever. Now, originally, the, mal- the reason for the molasses, it was, you have to think of it almost like it was a dessert. It was a sweet after-dinner kind of smoke, and people took a, a few puffs on it just to get a taste, and that was sort of it, okay? Well, we've changed things a little bit there. <laughs> More is better. <laughs> More is better, yes. So, so now, uh, so it started, so tobacco became a, a big thing to use with, with that, and in the hookah bars and stuff that you see, that's primarily it. Now, what they tend to use is tobacco that's really caked in fruit juices and flavors and what and, and whatever. I actually had one of our patients come through our center who told me that she was asked to go out to try hookah with her friends. And she had no idea what she was talking about, but didn't want to look stupid. So she just went along and she did it. And it wasn't until days later that she realized it was tobacco. It didn't even she said she was a smoker, too. She says, I did not detect the taste of tobacco in there at all. I thought it was just like a, a fruit blend of something. Right. right? But the, the fact of the matter is, is that it is very dense tobacco. If you take a remember before I talked about carbon monoxide, mm-hmm. the level of carbon monoxide that is put out by hooker in this unfiltered sort of dense state is just remarkable. Um, we have there have been studies done now that show, you know, if you take six or eight people who kind of sit in a closed room and smoke hookah, in 45 minutes, the, the carbon monoxide yield is equivalent to as if those individuals just smoked 100 cigarettes. My goodness. So that's, uh, CO is very strongly related to heart disease and a number of other conditions. So it is, it is very dangerous. And the big risk with it, actually, is that people who use hookah think they do it just for a weekend thing. The ultimate conversion from hookah to other smoked tobacco like cigarettes is over 90%. Wow. So it is a gateway kind of mechanism that gets kind people into... kind of slips into, you in right. and gets you, gets you hooked. And, exactly. and, and then you go to the more mainstream cigarettes and right. things. Well, we're going to take a quick break right now, but we definitely want to hear from you. I'm here with Dr. Thomas Payne. And when we come back, we're going to talk about social smoking and the people that, that think it's okay to just smoke uh, when they're out with friends and what, what that's doing to us. So go ahead and give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. or shoot us an email at fit at mpbonline.org.
podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, the host of Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Each week, credit counselor Chris Burford and assistant professor of finance Nancy Lotter-Janderson are ready to answer your questions about credit, investing, or saving for retirement. Or call in to share your success stories of navigating the personal finance challenges that we all face. Money Talks, Tuesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, here with my special guest, Dr. Thomas Payne, Director of the ACT Center for Treatment, Tobacco Treatment, Education, and Research. And before we left for the break, I kind of mentioned that I wanted to talk about social smoking, and that kind of piggybacks right on this, the hookah that we were talking about. But I have, um, I'm in my practice of primary care, I have patients who, when I ask about smoking habits, they say, well, it's, you know, I only smoke when I'm out with friends, right. or I only smoke when I'm having um, a drink, um, things like that. Is that okay? Or, or what's happening to our bodies when we do this kind of short use of cigarettes over time? Uh, it's, a, it's a really important question. Um, so to, to answer that question, I first have to give you a little piece of information. Right. And that is that we are all um, somewhat uh, genetically different in terms of our likelihood of becoming addicted to tobacco, as well as how much tobacco we will use. So there are the, the, the most common scenario is people start with a, a small amount and then it escalates. Okay, But there's a group out there, which in the literature has been come to be called chippers, who will smoke a cigarette or two a day, maybe not even every day. Right. And and continue uh, along with that pattern. And they have the feeling exactly as you say, well, it's such a small amount. What difference does it really make? So the important thing to note there is that, first of all, there is some truth to that in that there is a linear relationship. So the more is worse without question. But what a lot of people don't realize is that the biggest change in risk happens when you go from zero to one. Okay, we see there are people who smoke approximately one cigarette per day for a long period of time. And there are clearly elevated levels of cancer, heart disease, pulmonary disease, all those sorts of things uh, uh, in, in those individuals as well. Not as high as somebody who smokes a pack a day, but it's not as it's not one twentieth of it either. It's substantially higher than that. So even low rate use is associated with significant risk as well. And if you're only using it that much, what I would tell your listeners here is that it's not that much enjoyment in your life then. Uh, there are other things that you can do. I would strongly suggest getting away from it because there's just there's just no good that comes from it. Right. Yeah. What I have people, they, they tell me is they don't want to stop because they feel like they're going to replace it with eating. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, it's a, they're in a social environment and they feel like if they're not doing something with their hands, right. um, that they're going to eat 
to eat and then they're going to you know gain weight and they would rather smoke than than be you know a little extra on the weight so is there something that they can replace it with that can can curb that desire to do something in a social setting sure now now Eating per se is not a bad thing. It's what, it's what you, you decide eat. to eat. Yes. <laughs> right. And you know that probably better than most. Yes. Um, so, so, you know, obviously we have this uh, issue or uh, come in with, with many of our patients who come into our centers say this and that they know that when they try to quit, they start eating more and whatever. Actually, uh, eating small amounts or, you know, I'm, I think you can probably tell I'm not from the South. I'm, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. And we have a term up there called noshing. Noshing, noshing I like that. is is I kind nosh. of that little picking yeah. here and there, right? So if you nosh, I call it grazing. Grazing is good yes. too. Yes. yes. But if you if you nosh on things that are lower calorie and whatever, it's okay, and it actually for many smokers helps them to get by some of their urges and whatever. Um, I am a past smoker myself, and I remember one of the things that really because I was concerned about this as well, and one of the things that really helped me was. Baked chips and lots of hot sauce. Really? Yes. I found that burn in the back of the throat to really help me uh, fight off urges a little bit. And there's actually some good data out of Duke University now saying that peppers really do help to suppress urges because it gives that back of the throat sort of burn not all that gotcha. dissimilar to the way uh, smoke does kind of thing. That is an it's, excellent tip. Not something, you know, yes. I've never been a smoker, so not something that, you know, I knew what the sensation was like or how to help people with that. But that's right. fantastic. It's, it's a, what we would call a secondary reinforcer, some of the associated characteristics that come along with smoking. And, um, you know, you can eat a room full of Pace's Picante sauce and right. not gain an ounce. I mean, right. you know, because it's all peppers it's and It's what and you tomatoes. dip in it, though. Yes. So, you know, if you're out no there. Cheese. And, yeah, that's right. If you're out there and you're looking for a healthy snack option that you could do to kind of curb this uh, craving, he just mentioned uh, kind of picante sauce or salsa. That's an excellent way to do it. Right. Just skip those chips that you would normally dunk it in and ask for some fresh veggies. Most that's restaurants will do that for you. You can get carrots and celery and bell peppers right. and all that kind of good stuff to dip in your um and your salsa, and you get that good crunch and that good taste, and it'll give you something to do to keep from right. from smoking. Now, I did get an email this morning on my uh, my personal email because they knew what topic I was covering today, and they said, "Well, you know, I'm one of those social smokers who wants to, you know just smokes when I'm out with friends, and the, another of their friend has been doing e-cigarettes, and right. and they want to know is this an okay." option for me to switch out and use e-cigarettes and you know those are not something that i've had a lot of experience with so you know what the heck is an e-cigarette and you know what's it doing yeah so e-cigarettes is the latest uh sort of tobacco product craze here in in the u.s and and worldwide really and um it's it's the, the research is so early in its phase in this that it's a little bit hard to to sort of give an absolute answer to these things but let me let me try to give you some general say so the first thing is that um we, we have to be careful about our terminology e-cigarette is what they were called when they were introduced there are people who use these devices and very specifically say I'm not using a cigarette. This is my vaping pen or whatever. And if you ask them, do they use an e-cigarette, they'll say no. And it's because they feel that it's so much healthier than smoking that they want to make a, a difference. They want to separate right. those things. So I understand that. Um, so, so we're talking about all vaping devices here. So one important thing is to remember is that right now in this unregulated state, we have well over a thousand different models out there, 7,000 plus flavors, 
all different constituents, many made in the bathtub in the back room of wherever <laughs> you're going, you know, some of the vape shops and stuff. And uh, we just have no quality control over all of these things. So it's very hard to say a statement that applies to all of these right. devices, you know. So, But here's the bottom line. Uh, the, the notion is, is that you have nicotine in a liquid that then gets, it actually doesn't get vaporized. Vapor is a term that means something very specific. What this really does is aerosolize it. So it's a much bigger particle than a vapor is. And that has implications for what gets in right. your lungs and such. So the PG and VG are the two liquids that are there. P uh, propylene glycol, which is, uh, part, you know, in, inhalers and, mm -hmm. and stuff have that mm -hmm. in it. And vegetable glycerins. Uh, the nicotine needs a vehicle to take it down into the lung. The problem with e-cigarettes is, you know, and, and these vape shop uh, owners and vape companies will say, well, these are all FDA-approved compounds, and they are correct. But when you heat these things, they change, okay? And that's the key piece. When you heat vegetable glycerins, it, uh, the, a significant portion of it converts to acrolein, which is a Class A carcinogen. When you heat uh, propylene glycol, uh, formaldehyde and other acetaldehyde and other aldehydes and other constituents are formed as well. These are extraordinarily toxic to, to individuals. Uh, the research on flavors is just starting, but what we're finding is that some of them are also extremely toxic. Um, there is, uh, uh, just to give an example, there is a cinnamon-based flavor that in lab studies, when you take sort of um, tissues in a, in a Petri dish and just lay the vapor from the cinnamon smoke over it, it causes instant cellular death. Wow. And, and the interesting thing is, the, the name of the particular product, you're going to laugh at this, that was that was started, is cinnamildehyde. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. that sounds like I want to take a puff of that. Right. So so basically, what we're, is it safer than cigarettes? There are experts who believe it is. I feel the jury's still out on this because, for example, it produces more acrolein, which is that class A carcinogen, than cigarettes do. Right. So we just don't really know. Um, but we know for one thing for certain, they are not safe. Right. There's no question they're not safe. Now, to get to your question about helping people quit. Right. That's the interesting thing. So, so everybody can point to a person who said, well, I tried e-cigarettes and, you know, and they helped me quit and whatever. But that's not science. Science is, uh, you know... Setting up groups that are equated, giving people, uh, you know, different substances, let them try without them really knowing what it is to see if it works, that sort of thing. Double blind studies, et cetera, right? There is at this point of all the research done, one randomized trial that showed that e-cigarettes that had nicotine improved quitting over non-nicotine by 1.5%. Not exactly something you want to write home about. Right. And the study has been severely criticized for a lot of methodological problems. In most studies of e-cigarette use, what we find is that the individual is actually 20 to 30 percent less likely to quit. In other words, they're more likely to become a dual user, e-cigarettes and cigarettes. And the problem with that is we know when people start using more than one form of tobacco, the likelihood that they will ever quit goes down dramatically. So there is really very little here to suggest that this is a good way to go. The, the health data is not in yet, but there are significant concerns at this point. So what I would say is that this, this is not a good route to go. There are evidence-based ways to quit that give you a much stronger likelihood of quitting, are very, very safe, and, uh, uh, and, can do, and, and not only for immediate quitting, but also to help you sustain that quit in the long run.
And that's what we want to talk to you about today. We want to talk about what is the evidence that shows us, you know, how we can safely quit using tobacco products. So if you have questions about that, if you have questions about medications that you uh, want to like to ask Dr. Payne, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or shoot us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back after this break. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Nina Totenberg. Are you someone who talks about how great public radio is, but you're still not a donor? Rather than wait for the next pledge drive, you can support the programs you love by donating that unwanted vehicle. Donate it today. It could be worth hundreds of dollars to this station, and you could get a tax deduction. And thank you. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, here with my guest, Dr. Thomas Payne, answering all your questions about tobacco, cigarettes, and how we can can stop this addiction. And we are going to go to our phones in just a minute. Um, if you would like any more information about the ACT Center, you can shoot us an email at fit at mpbonline.org, and I'll be happy to send you more information about the ACT Center. We do have a call this morning from Toby in Bahalia, and he has a question about Nicotrol inhalers. Good morning, Toby. Good morning. Well, it's a, it's a lady, Toby. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Thank you for giving us a call. How can we help you today? Okay, I quit smoking quite some time ago and went on the Nicorette. Okay. And then I messed up my teeth so bad that I got my doctor to give me a prescription for a Nicotrol inhaler, which I was hoping that I would just sort of fade that out. But now I'm addicted to that. 
So is that bad for me, the Nicotrol inhaler? That's a great question, Toby. Uh, we uh, uh, get this question from a lot of folks, not only from the inhaler, but any of the nicotine replacement uh, uh, treatments. And in, in all honesty, there is a small percentage of people who seem to develop a little bit of a dependence on these things. So let me first ask you a question. Um, how long have you been using it and how much do you use each day? Uh, the Nicotrol inhaler I've been using probably for four months. Okay. And I use, uh, my friend call, says, you know, I look like I'm sucking on a pacifier. So I guess I'm using <laughs> it all the time. How many of those cartridges do you go through each day? Uh, probably about five. Okay. So first of all, that length of time is not anything to be concerned about. It is entirely um, common for us at the ACT Center to have people on medications for six months, even as much as a year on, in some circumstances. So you're okay. That's, that's not bad. Now, the health effects associated with using this are extremely minimal. Uh, if you're not having any symptoms and your doc's okay with you using it, uh, we have had people use it far longer. To, to be honest with you, the choice of being on a nicotine replacement versus tobacco, there, there's just no choice. You are far, far safer, and the likelihood that this would cause any serious health problems is extremely low. But I would say... At four months, you're probably just not quite ready to come off yet. Uh, if you've been smoking for a long time, nicotine is a strong addiction. Um, I would say stay with it. And then if it's been six months or more, maybe nine months, and you're still doing as much, you might want to start to just slowly kind of cut back on it. But even the amount that you're using is not that excessive. That's, that's really well within the range of what we uh, ask our patients to use on a daily basis. So I think you're fine. Okay, good deal. I appreciate your show, and thank you for talking to me. Oh, we're so welcome. welcome. Thank you for giving us a call, and I, I hope that helps you this morning. It does. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, and we do have open lines. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we did just get an email in um, from a listener who says they are not a smoker, but they chew the nicotine gum. Is that safe, and what are the dangers of doing that? Yeah, same same sort of issues here as with the inhaler, really. Um, the, the nicotine gum is a medicinal quality nicotine that's based in a uh, you know a standard kind of gum that's sugar free. So if you it, and it's also uh, for those of you out there who have dentures, it's a non stick formula, so it's generally uh, safe and useful for for many folks. Um, lots of clinical trials shows that it, it helps people to quit. Um, the flavors are actually quite good. The patients really like them. Um, and there's even one, I believe it's called white ice, that not only tastes good, but will will whiten Does your teeth whiten your at teeth? the same time. Yes. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, But again, in terms of its use, the long-term use of nicotine replacement in somebody who's otherwise healthy is really not something to be concerned about. If this goes on, you know, well over a year and you have concerns about it, and if you're using a lot, and by a lot I mean more than maybe, oh, I don't know, 20 or 25 pieces per day, if, if that's the only kind you're doing, uh, yeah, I would suggest it might be uh, time to sort of think about sort of slowly reducing to get yourself off of it. If you have trouble with that, come to one of the ACT centers or call the Mississippi Tobacco Quit Line 
And one of the counselors there will most certainly help you with a, a program, what we would call a fading procedure, to slowly reduce that, to hopefully get you off of that while not increasing the risk that you would relapse back to, back to tobacco. But but in general, you're fine. These are very safe medications, and I think all of our docs would much rather see people on these long term than even to go anywhere near tobacco. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, we've talked about the, the inhaler. We've talked about uh, the gum. What about the patch? Uh, same thing, the patch. Now, the, the patch is different in that it's less under your control, right? So you put it one on your arm once per day um, or, or other part of your body, and it slowly seeps in. So it provides this sort of general background of, uh, of protection, which is uh, very effective. Lots of good data with the patch as well. Um, but it's not like the gum, for instance, where when you typically when people feel an urge, they can use a piece of gum, that sort of thing. So it's some people like the let me do one thing in the morning right. and I don't have to worry about it. And other people like to manage it, you know, and that's OK. And actually what's becoming more common is what we call combination treatment, where if you've got somebody who's on the patch but is still having urges that we give them a small amount of gum or the lozenge or an inhaler. And so when they're in a tough situation, they can pull it out and use that as a way just to get a little bit of extra assistance. And actually the the evidence shows that that dual treatment uh, greatly, it it almost doubles quit rates from single mode treatment. So it's a very good way to go. Again, I'd make sure that it's okay with your doctor that you're doing it or come to one of the ACT Center's or use the, uh, you know, get advice from the Mississippi Tobacco Quit Line, and we can help walk you through a, a very good program that will help you to utilize that to the to maximize your benefits. That's such an important tip: is make your healthcare provider a partner in yes. your lifestyle decisions. You know, as a healthcare provider, I'm not here to to judge or you know to to think poorly on what choices you're making. I'm exactly. here to help you be the healthiest you that you can be. And so, if we need to make that fit in to your lifestyle, then that's what we're here to do. But we got to know that you're doing it so that we can can help you on that that journey. So, you know, never be afraid to to tell your healthcare provider that if we ask you, do you smoke or do you use tobacco? And you're not, but you're using an e-cigarette or you're using one of these nicotine replacements, please go ahead and share that with your healthcare provider so that we've got all the information that we need to work with. Now, we have a call from Kay in Memphis. Uh, Good morning, Kay. Hey, I just thought I might interest you in my my story of smoking. <laughs> well, absolutely. Go ahead and, and tell okay, it to me well, this morning. I started, I don't know why I did. I went to summer school uh, back in 1950, you know, because I had changed from a, a fine arts to a, a arts and science. And I, there was some subjects I just couldn't get in with taking 18 hours. So uh, anyway, and I don't know why I started smoking. I started smoking and I, of course... In, in at MSCW, then you couldn't smoke in dormitories. So for two years, I didn't smoke, and I never smoked around my parents. And I smoked sort of off and on. And anyway, um, I was still smoking in 1959 when cigarettes went from 35 to 37 cents a pack. <laughs> that was also when gas was 35 cents <laughs> a gallon. But I thought, well. I went up, I'm a medical social worker. I have a master's degree in medical social work. That's when, when I was in grad school, that's when I smoked the heaviest because I had three part-time jobs, and, you know, including my full course of study. So, um, so the stress was, of it all, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was working at, um, as a social worker, had occasion to go out, excuse me, hold on, 
had to put myself to get out uh, to go out of my office. And when I came back, I pulled down a cigarette, lit it, put it in the ashtray, and I had one burning. <laughs> and I thought, uh-uh, girl, nothing's going to get a hold of you like that. So I said, right then, I'm going to quit. One of the things that helped me, and people laugh about this, I sat down one day, I like math, and I figured if I smoked, I don't remember how much, at 35 cents and a pack, and I took this money and invested it at 4% interest, by the time I was 65, I would have burned up a half, a quarter of a million dollars. My goodness. Yep. And that was 35 cents a pack. So can you can you imagine what people are burning mm-hmm. up now? Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I, I decided, oh, I'm going to quit. But I also know you don't quit when you're under stress. And my father was terminally ill up in Hattiesburg. So I waited till he passed, and I got my mom straightened down, and I was on my way back to New Orleans, and I pulled out my cigarettes, smoked one, put them in my purse, went to work the next day, and gave the open pack away, and I've never had one in my lips since then. Wow. <laughs> That is a fantastic story, Kay. Well, see, I planned it. I knew that I could not smoke, should not try to give up smoking when I was under stress. Right. Well, you approached it the right way. You made your mind up, and you were ready. And I have helped one friend um, to to stop smoking. Um, You know, he used the patches and reinforcement from me and so forth. No one smokes around me at all. I love the smell, but I know it is not good. So I just say that's, I'll use a perfume instead. <laughs> Thank you but so much. Yeah. I just thought somebody might be interested in the fact uh, that you can't. Oh, and the other thing is, I had occasion recently, not because of my smoking or anything, but my cardiologist, uh, regular cardiologist, decided to have a stress test done on me when I was in the hospital uh, temporarily. And they did the nuclear stress test, and he said, Lady, I couldn't ask for a heart and lungs to be in better condition than yours are in, so just keep going. <laughs> and I'm oh, and I'm 86 years old. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> I love this story, Kay. Thank you so much for calling us today and sharing your story. It is a great story for our listeners to hear because that's what it takes is getting to the place where you're ready to quit. You know, I find the same thing with folks who are looking to make a a diet change or a nutrition change. Um, They have to be ready to make that change. That's the part of it is, is you got to get your mind wrapped around the fact that you're ready to let this go. And if you're not there yet, it's okay, but at least you're thinking about it. You know, you're thinking about quitting and you're ready to make a change, but until you fully commit that, you know, I'm going to throw those cigarettes away, it's not going to work. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a such, such an important point. And um, one of the things I want to put out there to folks, though, is that, you know, sometimes the process of starting to engage and, and change the behavior can increase your motivation. So it's not uncommon for us to get folks coming into our centers who they want to quit, but they, you know, they might be sort of moderate in their motivation because they're just not sure what to expect. If you're like most smokers and tobacco users, you've tried before and maybe not done so well. And so you're not sure why this time would be really any different. And, you know, so you, you get this sort of attitude about it. But, but the thing is, is that if you approach this in a way that allows you to have small little successes along the way, like cutting back, like changing where you smoke and, and having a good counselor who kind of helps you through that. Not that you couldn't do it yourself, but it's often easier with mm-hmm. someone, right? Mm-hmm. But um, that, that those little victories 
tend to increase your self-confidence and then you try for the more difficult things. And so it's okay if you're not at the peak, as long as you've got an interest and willing to explore it and whatever, we encourage you to give it a shot. We encourage you to, to contact a site or call the quit line and see what happens. You, you just might surprise yourself. You know? Thank you so much, Kay. You have a great day, okay? I have a young man I'm working on, now, working with now. He's gotten rid of the pack of cigarettes, and he buys two or three loose ones a day. But Excellent. He's not in a situation to really stop. He's under some stress, and you don't stop smoking when you're under stress. Well, I'm so glad that he has you to help him along this journey. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get him off of them, but he's going to get off. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. He's going to get himself off. So anyway, okay. Thanks a lot. Listen, I enjoy your program. I listen to every one of the eleven o'clock programs. Well, we thank you so much for listening. I don't, I don't even have a working TV. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I, I'm too busy, lady. I've got too much to do before I go six feet under. I just need to come hang out with you. You sound like the most <laughs> delightful lady. So you have a great day, and we're so thankful that you listen to our show and you call us anytime. Okay. Okay, I will. And I I do, I do. My name is known to the phone answers. When I say Kay in Memphis, they know who I am. Well, we're so glad. I'll talk to you next time, okay? Bye-bye. Bye, darling. So you you were exactly right um, talking about making setting yourself up for a win. And we do that with making little small choices. We talked right. about it when we talked about starting a fitness program. We talked about it last week when we talked about uh, having a, a, you know, making nutritional changes. Give yourself a small, manageable goal. So, you know, one thing I tell my patients, you know, if they come in and they're smoking a pack a day, I'm like, well, let's talk about cutting out a couple of cigarettes a day for, you know, a week. And then, you know, and. You know, how did you feel at the end of that? And I bring them back in for very frequent follow-up so we can talk about that. You know, how is that making you feel? And then, you know, back them down another five cigarettes a day until we gradually get down to, you know, a a handful of cigarettes a day. And really it's more trying to help them replace that habit then with with what they're doing. And and I would add to that that um, for the longest time we felt that you couldn't start your medications, especially your nicotines, until you quit. Right. Well, all those rules and, and, and the advice from the FDA has changed on that now. It is okay to be using these medications as you are on your journey of quitting. And what people find is that if you put that patch on, you will see an immediate reduction in the amount right. of tobacco you use because you don't need as much You're not nicotine. Craving it, right? right, right. And so, uh, again, with a, with a provider who knows something about this, they can really help you guide it. It's It's... It'll be different than the way most people try to quit on their own, mm-hmm. more cold turkey kind of approach or whatever. And um, and I think you you are more likely to um, to be successful. To be successful, quit. Yeah. right? And just like with with Kay, pick a buddy that you can you know that can hold you accountable for this. It's checking in on you when you're not seeing your healthcare provider, you're not yep. with your counselor at the at the treatment center. Make somebody be your friend and, and hold you accountable to that. We're going to take a quick break. Um, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with my guest, Dr. Thomas Payne, after the break.
Inauguration Day is right around the corner, and Chapter 1 of a new administration is set to begin. As stories take shape, NPR will be here with coverage you can depend on to help you make sense of it all. Listen every day. We're at the beginning of a new chapter in history. Donald Trump has said his priority as president is going to be protecting jobs. What will be President Trump's policy on space exploration? Well, now let's take a step back and hear about the direction national security might take in the Trump administration. I'm To understand the people and policies that will shape the country for the next four years and beyond, listen every day. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell here with my guest, Dr. Thomas Payne from the ACT Center, answering your questions about tobacco and how we can stop. We have several callers on the line, and we're going to go to those now. I've got Aubrey in Jackson. Good morning, Aubrey. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. Another day in paradise. That's right. How can we help you? (laughs) A very quick smoking story. I have never smoked one in my life, never had a real urge. Uh, for a particular reason, my mother smoked till she was 36 years old, and that's when she quit, uh, about 36 and maybe a half. She died of cancer at 36, and I was very young, and I found out later in life that the smoking probably didn't have anything to do with it, but that was my excuse not to or my motivation not to, uh, and it's a story I told my children until they were old enough to they finally figured out what kind of cancer she had, and she said, Daddy, she didn't die from smoking. I said, I didn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she smoked when she was 36, and I understand how hard it is for some people to quit, and yeah. I wish them all the best in the world. Well, thank you for that, and I'm sorry about your mom, but well, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to use it as motivation. Uh, we take it wherever we can get it. That's right. Thank you right. so much for giving us a thank call you. today. Have a good day. You too. All right, we're going to go to Becky in Mobile. Good morning, Becky. Yes. How are you? I'm doing well. How can we help you today? Well, I was just tuning in to your program. I was not able to listen earlier, but I picked up on something I heard in your conversation. Let me preface what I'm saying by pointing out that I'm a former smoker myself. Yes, ma'am. And I have not smoked since September the 27th. 1976. Fantastic. I was up to three packs a day when I quit, and I quit cold turkey. I spent many years trying to cut back and slow down, and the next thing I knew, I was right back to Mm -hmm. three packs a day. My point is this. I think we as a society need to reframe smoking not as a habit, but as an addiction. Because when we go off of cigarettes, we go through the same physiological stages that an addict does. 
And I can tell you that I had dreams of smoking way long after I quit. Mm -hmm. I would go through the tasting of it, the smelling of it. It was a real thing for me until I couldn't find any any, any evidence of smoking. You know, but mm-hmm. I want to point out that I think we need to stop calling that a habit and look at it as an addiction because it is an addiction. I worked with alcoholics and drug addicts for many, many years, and I know how hard it is for people who have other addictions to come off of cigarettes, too. You're correct. It, so is, it is most definitely addiction. today. And I encourage more conversation about this. Yes, ma'am. And and thank you for calling and thank you for, you know, pushing that to the forefront that this is an addiction and people, you know, need real help in breaking that addiction cycle. And we're so thankful that you were able to break free of that and that you uh, sound like you're a champion for helping others break free as well. Well, I do what I can each day and thank you for talking about it. You're so welcome. You have a blessed day. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. And we're going to go to uh, Saffron in Magnolia. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. How can we help you today? Um, I'm just phoning up to ask. I actually stopped smoking at the beginning of December last year. Okay. I got um, food poisoning. And after being really, really ill for like three or four days, realized I hadn't had a cigarette. <laughs> so I thought, all right, I'll go with this and try right. and not smoke. Um, my cough is horrendous, and I don't know how long it's going to last for, but I have to say that is the one thing that's making me not want a cigarette, because I don't want to start again from scratch. Right. But I had invested in something called Ocean Breeze for a vape, and I switched on to your program when you were talking about the vape machine. Mm -hmm. Now, this is no nicotine at all. I've done cold turkey. I've had no nicotine since stopping occasionally go to this on the vape machine. Does this, when heated, still contain all the carcinogenics? Um, yes. Unfortunately, the, uh, the it's not the nicotine that's carcinogenic. It's the other substances that are in that vehicle there. And so, you know, if you're using this very rarely, um, you know, the risks are going to be lower, certainly. But uh, again, we, we pretty much advise folks not to use these devices at all and to see if they can't find some other options. So I hope that helps you, Saffron. If you need more information about it, shoot me an email at fit at mpbonline.org, and I'll be happy to send you some more information about that. And thank you to all our callers and listeners today. We enjoyed uh, speaking with you, and we hope that we helped in a small way. If you still have questions, go ahead and send me that email or tune in next week as we talk about mental health and emotional health and how that can help you be a healthier you. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at UMC, and I've been with my special guest, Dr. Thomas. Pain. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. More at bcbsms.com. We have unsettled weather conditions in the forecast across the state of Mississippi for the entire week. A front slowly coming in is going to hang out for a while, and that'll be the focal point for any wet weather we see. We have plenty of moisture coming in, and we're going to continue with the spring light.